Quote, Hindu culture and the caste system, writes Gail Umbit in her EPW article on Jyoti Rao Phule in 1971, rested upon Brahminism. Hence Phule, who aimed for the complete destruction of caste, superstition and inequality within Indian tradition, linked his thought with a movement of opposition to the Brahmin elite. End quote. On Phule's birth anniversary, we'll discuss his writing on caste, class and gender relations in South Asia. And importantly, the methods he used to counter Brahminism and patriarchy in collaboration with his co-traveller and wife, Sabitri Bhai Phule. I'm your host Abhishek and today on a special episode of Research Radio, Tejas Harad will join us to discuss his engagement and research primarily on Jyoti Rao Phule. Tejas has worked at EPW since 2013 as a copy editor and regularly contributes to multiple news publications in his individual capacity. We'll also partially focus on Savitri by Phule, but this episode does not cover the depth of her work. Last year, Tejas started a bilingual journal called the Satya Shodak that seeks to make the Satya Shodak archive more accessible to people, but the portal's focus is not limited to that, in his own words. I've linked a few articles that EPW has published on the Fules, as well as links to two articles that Tejas has authored outside EPW. Thank you so much for joining us, Tejas. Thank you for having me. So the Fules are seen as inspirational because they did not stick to writing on inequality, but took path-breaking steps to change the scenario and faced multiple consequences for doing so. Could we discuss their views on the relationship between theory and practice, particularly in terms of uh, Jyoti Rao's use of language, um, and the medium of communication that he employed? Fule's were primarily doers. Like, you know, they started a school in 1848 when Jyotira was, I think, about 21 and Savitri Bhai was 17. And that was like their f- first initiative, which was before they wrote anything. So they started, you know, the, and later on also whenever uh, Jyotira wrote, it was to supplement his, uh, you know, activities. So like, he did not want to contribute to scholarly discussions or, or to like give a new theory. Like he did want to give a new theory, but his primary focus was always like you know, how that will aid his efforts, you know, that, that like he's pushing for uh, through other like, you know, on-ground activities. Uh, for example, he's, he started, he founded uh, Satshudak Samaj in 1873. So that was in September. And his Gulamgiri was published in June that year. So I, I sometimes feel that there is some connection, you know, between publishing Gulamgiri and then like founding uh, Satyashodak Samaj because the principles that were you know, put out at the foundation of uh, Satyashodak Samaj, you can see their basis in Gulamgiri. So you know, so he was using his writing for the work that he was doing, and that is why. You know, his writing was polemical. We, we cannot ignore or dismiss that fact. You know, his writing was polemical. He wanted to give new energy to lower caste, non-Brahmin population. And, you know, keeping that in mind, he wrote what he wrote. And that is why you also find some sort of repetition in all his writings. You know, the themes that he is approaching, that he's engaging with, he, he tackles similar themes in all the writings that, you know, he has done. Like Gulamgiri, he, he engages with the Brahmin supremacism. That topic again comes up in um, Cultivators Vipkod or in, in Marathi, Shetkaraja Asur, and his last book, uh, Sarvajani Satya Dharma Pustak. So in that also, he again like goes back to that theme. So you find a 
similarity you know in that in that way but that is because you know he was writing these texts you know in different years in different different decades sometimes but like he wanted people to understand what brahminism is doing to lower castes you know how it is affecting them and how one can you know rise and revolt against it so he, he that was his primary focus how he can energize people and you know make them rebel against the system right right and actually can we go maybe focus in on one of the works maybe gulamgiri would be a good one to focus in on and to understand how some of his um you know uh, how he was able to you know hone on this theory i mean the connection between theory and practice and his use of language and the the way that he communicated this so if we can focus on maybe just one of his uh, works yeah so gulamgiri you know he ha- he has done like three major texts and the first one and the most popular one also is gulamgiri that he wrote in 1873 and in that he um, engages with puranic mythology mainly uh, he discusses the ten avatar uh, theory that you know is very popular among hindus that even now everybody knows about it and you know everybody like you know, it, it pops up in different different contexts and uh, he he would have thought that because everybody knows you know this it will be good to engage with these myths and that is what he does in gulamgiri so um, he might have done that because people know all these myths and they take them for granted they never challenge them or scrutinize them and that probably is the reason why uh, brahmin supremacy also is not challenged by people uh, they take the authority of brahmins for granted so in gulamgiri you know first few chapters he engages with each myth each avatar you know in each chapter he sort of takes the myth at face value and applies uh, taste of rationality logic and science I, i don't think that he actually thought that those myths were history you know seeing the kind of person that phule was and how rational he was and how well read he was etc i do not think that you know he actually believed that that was history but he probably thought that you know even if he were to accept that as history he could still challenge brahminism through that and he actually could like turn that on its head you know because like every you know people brahmins especially but everybody would like think that you know this this is what is like history this is what has happened in ancient times you know nobody really questioned that and i feel that when i am reading it you know he's very he's sarcastic also and it feels like he's deriving a lot of pleasure by poking holes at you know, at the logic of it so to give an one example you know he says that um, Uh, people say that uh, you know we had four varnas through different parts of brahma's body you know from mouth came the brahmin and from shoulder kshatriya and from thighs the vaishya and from the feet shudra we we know that theory right and phule says that how is that logically possible like did did like brahma had four vaginas you know did he like menstruate four times a month so you you can see the kind of you know like fun he's having in you know, at those bits right right so uh, let's zoom out a bit to understand this some more because uh, despite their contributions both jyotirao and savitri bai phule have not received adequate scholarly and literary attention uh, especially in english speaking context uh, let's discuss what made you interested in researching about uh, their writing and organizing efforts started Uh, really in, i think in the 1960s and 70s when dharanjay kir wrote his biography of jyotirao phule and then maharashtra government published collected volume of phule's writings 
there was a lot of sporadic writing on jyoti rao and savitri bai till then but there wasn't uh, an organized effort to republish his writings or critically analyze his work or his writings so that happened in the marathi literary sphere or the or the social movement space around 1960s 70s and then uh, 1990 was the death centenary uh, centenary of uh, phule that is when the first english translation uh, of phule's writings uh, appeared and that also was you know uh, because of the maharashtra government so there has been that neglect uh, in marathi uh, cultural sphere social sphere as well as in english more so in english the interest uh, in english academia about phule's you know it is still like at a very nascent stage Uh, there have been few works that have looked at jyotirao phule sardevai phule and uh, satyashodak samaj uh, you know like notable ones are gail omwich who also wrote one paper you know very early in 1970s uh, for epw so that was sort of the first systematic analysis of satyashodak samaj and uh, post phule uh, non brahmin movement in maharashtra then in 1980s we had rosarindo handlens book uh, which looked at the ideas that shaped jyotirao phule and then like you know early 2000 left world published a translation of uh, jyotirao's writings so other than that you know very few works on phule's we don't have much there are articles and uh, research papers but uh, you know the kind of attention that other social reformers from other caste backgrounds and other leaders have you know attracted that phule's haven't got yet and that was sort of you know one reason why i also you know wanted to work on it like phule is a very well known figure in maharashtra we learn we learn about both savitri bai and jyotiba uh, in our textbooks in maharashtra and in the cultural social uh, in the anti caste movement you know everybody knows about them but people know the name but not much beyond that like we don't uh, people don't know their you know real contribution they will know that they set up schools but beyond that lay public will not know much uh, so you know th- there is that that lacuna in marathi as well and in english because english sort of becomes this linked language for you know everybody in india because there is no much work on phule's in english people outside maharashtra don't know about him at all at the most they will know the name but not anything else and that is why you know i saw i i was looking at like what kind of work has been done on them in english and i realized that even the books uh, about him that are published in english they are out of print there were a lot of people who would ask me like you know what should i read about phule's how how do i uh, go about finding it where do i find it and uh, like people you know who can't access libraries people who are not in academic institutions they they would like you know look for pdfs and ebooks etc or uh, you know cheap print copies but because that was not available in english i thought that it would be good idea to look at the archive which is out of copyright and you know sort of do something uh, so that those things become available for people who read and uh, you know access stuff in english right i think that's uh, also quite counter to intuitive because uh, F- F- jyoti rao phule at least was very deliberate about Uh, trying to uh, create a uh, a, a broad based movement so even the uh, you know his approach of writing his, his use of language as 
uh, you know, a lot of scholars have written the fact that he published small pamphlets, uh, which I hope that we'll get to, you know, later during the the podcast. But he he this was kind of contrary to his attempts and his efforts to be, uh, you know, have a have a mass reach, right? Yes, that is true. He made sure that he wrote in Marathi. We have to understand that in nineteenth century, uh, very few people from non-Brahmin background were educated, were literate. And Phule was writing for this newly educated public. Like his audience was never, never the Brahmins. He sometimes petitioned the British government, and you know he wrote in English for that purpose. So he could like read write in English, uh, and he used to read a lot, lot of the English English literature. But he wrote in simple uh, Marathi dialect, which he got criticized for also by. upper caste marathi uh, scholars or uh, writers or activists but i think it was deliberate on his part to do that because you know his audience was what he called shudras and atishudras and there is a possibility that you know he knew that you know not many people could read what he was writing but there might be a public which was listening to these things like somebody else will read it out stuff to them and that could be a reason why he wrote what he wrote in dialogue form you know most of his writings are in a dialogue form gulamgiri for example which is like most famous text it, it is in a dialogue form his last book that also is in dialogue form so all of these things that he was doing the kind of language that he was using the kind of metaphors that he was using the form that was he was using it it must have been deliberate on his part Yes, 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 and and uh, could we transition to uh, discussing how Jyotirao Phule's thinking on British colonial power evolved over time? I think it is in Gulamgiri only, if I'm not wrong, that he says that he actually had joined hands with Brahmin revolutionaries in overthrowing the colonial powers, and that was like he sort of says that I was this like heady youth, you know, where I had these misguided ideas, and I wanted to overthrow the British Raj, or it probably wasn't. Uh, 1857 mutiny had not happened then, but you know, like he wanted to like, overthrow the colonial power, and then he, when he's writing this, probably in the 1870s, he says that you know that was really foolish on my part, and he also chastises uh, Vasudev Balwan Fadke, who was his Brahmin revolutionary, who had uh, uh, gathered Ramoshis especially uh, as his uh, sort of foot soldiers to fight the British, and he says that these people are you know getting killed because of this. False bravado of Fadke. So you know he is very derisive of Fadke. So you know apart from that, what he calls his heady youth, he did not challenge the British power itself. Uh, he just wanted to negotiate it, negotiate with it. Well, some people you know take an issue with that. Uh, they say that you know you know it was wrong on Fuller's part to put faith in the British power. But I am not sure about that because he was obviously comparing. British Raj with what existed before that, and what Phule had seen in Pune, like you know, or like his earlier generation, was the Peshwar Peshwar Raj, right? And he knew that even if uh, British Raj is overthrown in 19th century, there is no chance that the power will go to Shudra Adi Shudras. It will be captured by by the Brahmins, right? So therefore, uh, you know, he did not really want to you know work towards that, like. Work towards overthrowing the British Raj, and then and that idea also was very nascent at that stage because we know that the International Congress itself was 
founded in 1880s which was the last decade of fuller's life so like this idea that you know british raj is evil and needs to be thrown etc you know that that wasn't you know as widespread at as it was in 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 early 20th century so we need to like remember all of these this context before we criticize fuller but like coming back to your question how he looked at the the colonial uh, you know the rulers so he wanted a lot of state intervention in lot of lot of things because he believed that uh, the the system will not change on its own like uh, because all of the organizations except like most of the organizations except satyodak uh, samaj were brahmin dominated and that is why he did not actually join any of them like even paramam sabha which was relatively much more progressive than others like uh, prarthana samaj or uh, brahmo samaj then puna sarvajanik sabha so all of these were all brahmin dominated he so he did not join any of them so he you know did not really uh, believe that the change can entirely happen due to the non state social reform activities right right and and what were his views about education and uh, the role of uh, state intervention in in agriculture if we come to like if you talk about education which was like you know thing that he worked the most on and was was closest to his heart uh, he wanted uh, universal free education he he was one of the very few people from that era who advocated for universal free education uh, that idea itself was new not just for india but i guess for you know entire world then he wanted uh, like he he believed that brahmin teachers don't teach non brahmins sincerely and they also teach them religious dogma and therefore he said that british rulers need to train shudra ati shudra teachers and they they should teach their own children so he wanted he in agriculture also he wanted state intervention he was for that that kind of uh, you know policy uh, framing and but you know he he did not believe uh, in the egalitarianism or whatever of the british raj you know it, it wasn't that because he criticizes british a lot especially in uh, cultivators with god he says that i don't know if he uh, if he uh, blames them of corruption but he does say that you know the brahmin bureaucrats are corrupt and british don't do anything about it and he chastises for them for that they, he also you know criticizes them for like collecting taxes from peasantry but not doing anything for agricultural agricultural reforms so he does criticize you know british government a lot and that also could be a reason why uh, narayan lokhande did not publish the entire of the book so uh, so cultivators record was published uh, you know serially uh, it, it has four or five parts and lokhande who ran Din, dinbandhu then he published the first two parts but then he refused uh, to publish the later parts saying that you know he might attract suit of libel and that is because fule was criticizing the government without any inhibitions it's just that he never uh, he did not want to overthrow the power so that was one thing that you know that was one thing that was constant that he did not want change of rule but he did criticize their functioning a lot on a lot of occasions mm-hmm. uh, i think that also makes sense in terms of how he framed the con- the primary conflict as between uh, shudra ati shudras and brahmins rather than um, you know uh, in terms of a class or a um, um, an- another kind of uh, analysis of the fragmented nature of uh, society yeah 
Um, so I think this brings us nicely to the question about how the Fule is actually brought together fragmented social groups uh, under the banner of Shudra Ati Shudras. And, you know, I was particularly interested in knowing about how they, quote, drew on existing symbols from Maharashtra's warrior and agricultural traditions, end quote, as uh, Rosalind O'Hannon has uh, identified. Yes. So they wanted to move away from Brahmanical system. But at the same time, fully try to give an alternative as much as possible. So when um, somebody became a member of their organization, they were supposed to do something called as picking up Tali. So Tali is like this very specific thing that I don't know if it exists anymore, but it's some sort of combination of some ingredients. I think turmeric and something else that I'm not entirely sure of. So which was, you know, being drawn directly from Shudra, Ati Shudra, you know, social sphere. And then Fule also speaks a lot about uh, deities like Khandoba, Masoba, which are non-Brahmin deities, local deities, as as opposed to your Brahminical gods like Vishnu. Like we already saw that he criticized those gods a lot in his book Gulamgiri, right? But at the same time, he props up these non-Brahmin deities, which are already popular among the people. Uh, but you know, he he brings them forth as a challenge to Brahminical orthodoxy system and gods and uh, he does that in cultural sphere and one major example of that is the lot of the religious functions events that take place in uh, people's lives uh, from birth to their death right our city has a lot of these uh, ceremonies that take place for example, for example wedding so he and his colleagues you know did not want brahmin's presence in these ceremonies and that presence is signified by the Brahmin priest primarily, right? So the first thing that they took up after founding uh, their organization was not inviting Brahmin priests to all the ceremonies. And we see that uh, these members of the organization, they start performing all these ceremonies without Brahmin priest and without Brahminical rituals. The the most famous is the Satsudak marriage, for example. So in, in that, there is no Brahmin priest, but Fulia also gave like a you know proper description how that marriage should be conducted. Are there one or two things you can share? Uh, like specific examples? Yeah, like what he suggested. So in the marriage ceremony, there will not be Brahmin priest, for example. And along with that, there will not be what we Marathi people called as Mangalashtake. So Mangalashtake are these stanzas, verses, which are recited by the Brahmin priest when the, the actual ceremony is going on. And these verses are religious in nature, you know, they sort of like pay homage to a lot of gods. And they also are, are partly in Sanskrit, which people don't understand. So as an alternative, Fule, he composed stanzas which were in Marathi and which actually were to be recited by the bridegroom and groom, uh, bridegroom and bride themselves. So, you know, there was no third party which would recite these verses, but the pair themselves. And even the content of these verses was very interesting. Like he, I'll give one example. Like the bride says that you know women suffer a lot in the current society. They are treated as secondary, second-class citizens, and therefore I ask you to fight for women's rights. And then the bridegroom replies that yes, that is true, and I'll indeed fight for women's rights as much as I can. So you can see the kind of you know change that Fule is bringing to. Like something, something like a wedding, you know, where everything is so uh, religious, so Brahminical, and everything happens mechanically, 
you know like there are a lot of these rituals which people perform because they're supposed to perform and nobody pays attention to anything that is being done or said all the mantras and everything right but here like phule is phule is asking the bride and bridegroom themselves to take control and they themselves to decide and they like the kind of stuff that they are saying is also so meaningful and so ahead of its time actually you know like even the feminist movement in in western countries in europe was at a very early stage then right and in that era phule is talking about women's rights and equality so you can see how revolutionary it was Yes, yes, and and as we discussed, Jyotirao Phule sought to bring together uh, the oppressed instead of focusing on the uh, differences among them. Um, however, uh, Jyotirao Phule has also been critiqued for not being uh, attentive uh, and uh, considering the differences in power among uh, women and farm workers in particular. Uh, what do you make of this criticism? What a person does not do or does not write about, you know, that list will always be very long. so um, and fully like did talk about agriculture a lot uh, but you know as you say uh, he did not really touch upon the differences as much that could be because you know his primary theme as we discussed was the dialectic between brahmins and shudra jati shudra so that was the primary lens that he was you know looking at society through and that comes across in almost all his works and you know that that could be a reason why he sort of overlooked uh, you know this internal differentiation among the peasantry but i feel that whenever he writes about agriculture about peasants like i feel that you know what he has in mind is like primarily the small holders and uh, you know marginal farmers he would not really care much about uh, about the zamindars and the big land holders even though he did not speak about them specifically he did talk about uh, the maratha rulers or so called maratha you know, confederacy rulers who were um, ruling in princely states so you had holkars uh, sindhiyas gaikwads etc he was close to gaikwads but you know he did criticize the other rulers for not doing anything for lower castes and he does like you know he does uh, criticize them a lot for just you know being interested in uh, in uh, spending their wealth on really foolish things and just like enjoying themselves and not doing anything for people and he also takes objection to people who call themselves marathas and take pride you know in being a maratha you know and and sort of um, trying to show that they are equal to brahmin sort of sort of like what emission was called uh, sanskritized sanskritization so there are those elements where you see that you know he does not really like the aristocracy among among the shudras especially okay um i guess transitioning to the role that jyotirao uh, uh, phule felt that religion should have um gb deshpande has written that uh, quote jyotirao uh, phule was not interested in tinkering with this or that aspect of the brahmanical structure to make it a little more humane he argued for its complete rejection and uh, deshpande and quote deshpande also adds that jyotira wanted to quote dethrone the brahmin from his preeminent position of being the go between between god and man and quote um so i wanted to know more about uh, uh, phule's perspective on the role that religion should have in uh, the social transformation he did you know he did want a complete break from brahmanism and you see that in the way he attacks the brahminical mythology puranic narratives in vilambiri 
you know he does not want anything to do with it at all he can completely rejects it but he wasn't a religious person uh, even though he spoke a lot about it uh, so in his in his mind god was somebody who created the world he he calls god nirmik uh, which is a marathi term which i think based can be uh, translated as creator so he looked at god as creator but i think that you know that is where god's role ends like he created the universe and then you know everything that happens later on is like people are responsible for it so he you know he limited the role of god to only that uh, but he did not want to reject the cultural aspects of people's lives completely like th- therefore like we saw that he tries to appropriate the the shudra atishudra symbols and deities and also narratives like the most famous is king bali that that myth is very popular among uh, non brahmins in certain regions and he gives a lot of importance to that uh, he also um, like he also like the weddings also he rejects brahmin priest but he wants people to continue certain rituals in order to perform in the wedding you know in in shudra atishudra families so there is like that strain of you know what we can call secularism uh, in fullest thinking yeah yeah right and uh, we started talking about this uh, already but uh, if we can unpack uh, one conflict um, you know there were several uh, but among members of the satya shodhak samaj uh, or other colleagues of uh, jyoti rao uh, and maybe what it tells us about the fissures or uh, or differences within the uh, anti caste movement today so as i said like phule was much ahead of his time he was truly radical a revolutionary figure and he his colleagues did not always match up to his vision which we can see when we look at what you know sometimes is called women's question so there were two women who were criticized around the same time in early 1880s pandita ramabai and uh, tarabai shinde ramabai had converted to christianity and for that she was criticized by not just brahmin orthodox people but also the liberals and tarabai shinde you know was criticized for writing this book called stri purush tulna which looked at the relationship relations between men and women and uh, there were some people in satyashodak samaj also who had taken objection to tarabai shinde's text and phule writes mentions that and you know criticizing criticizes those people for criticizing shinde and pandita ramabai so he takes a very strong position and he also like resorts to sort of very sarcastic jibes at people who are criticizing these two women so there were some of these instances where you can see you know that phule's colleagues did not always match up to his radicalism one we mentioned earlier you know when he was writing cultivators of hipcard lokhande did not publish the third and fourth fourth part of that book uh, because he thought it was like you know a bit too radical so there, there were like these differences i i don't know how those map out you know in the current scenario but uh, like there there are always like internal differences in all movements which people have to you know accept as something that that is always going to happen and work around it uh but like you know like phule's movement because phule was from brahmanical point of view is a shudra background uh, and there wasn't an autonomous dalit movement that time which came later with 
Ambedkar. Around that time, all the non-Brahmin leaders joined Congress, and that sort of created a gap between Ambedkar's movement and you know the Shudra leadership. And we sort of see that you know the the consequences of that in the current movement as well. But it's like a very you know complex topic that we can't really cover here. And, and 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 the last question that I'd like to leave you with is, uh, what are some of the unanswered questions that you hope to investigate with your future scholarship, uh, and that changes the present scenario where there's a dearth of material and engagement with fully scholarship and actions. So I I hope that you know I manage to bring out stuff you know which hasn't been into English, which is like there there's a lot of work that is happening on fully in Marathi right now, and like my primary. Goal is to sort of make that accessible to English readers as well. And as as we discussed, the writings on Fulez in English is not much, and there is like a you know very urgent need to have something that you know that that is accessible and you know gives even like a general reader good idea of who the Fulez were, why they are important, and why we should you know engage with them. Okay, thank you so much uh, for joining us on Research Radio Tejas. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for having having me on the show. Thank you, dear listener, for tuning in to this special episode. I hope you enjoyed uh, that conversation. We have an exciting series coming up for you starting this Wednesday to mark Dr. Ambedkar's birth anniversary and Dalit History Month. As always, Research Radio is accessible on all major streaming platforms and we'd love to get your feedback via any of EPW social media handles. I'll see you soon.